All right, welcome back to Miserable and Reckless. <laughs> welcome back to Miserable and Reckless, bringing you unfiltered opinions on sports, music, culture, and all things of South. I'm Logan, sitting here with, you, as you already heard, Morgan, uh, Ryan, and Dustin. And make sure you go follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Go on over to Apple Podcasts, click subscribe. Give us not one, not two, not three, not four, but five stars. Great review. And while you're at it, go on over to Spotify and click follow. All right, moving into the good, the bad, and the ugly. Dustin, what you got? Honor to be just fair warning. Mine are like two weeks old. I didn't. I forgot to update them, but I'm gonna do them anyway. Um, good slash impressive. Uh, I don't know if y'all saw the Arizona State pick lateral and touchdown um, a couple weeks back, but it was pretty impressive. Literally, they got a pick. Uh, he was starting to get tackled, lateral it back, and then they ran it for a touchdown. It was pretty pretty impressive. Google it if you haven't seen it. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, Another good old good old Jimbo Fisher and AM got the uh, monkey off the back for all of uh Saban's coaching tree and went ahead and got that victory 41-38 against Alabama. Um like I said, first time a, a Saban assistant has ever ever beat Saban, which is crazy to think because it took 25 tries for someone to beat him. Um, but really cool, good for them. They're a good football team. I really don't know what all the like grumbles were about about like, oh, Alabama lost to an unranked team. That's one of the best unranked teams in the country. Like, that's ridiculous. Um, ugly, uh, after that game, Texas AM rushed the field because that's you know what you would do in that situation. And uh SEC fined them a hundred thousand dollars for it. I just think that's such a silly thing. They claim it's like a protect the athletes thing but it's just a money extraction tool and i think it's ridiculous so it, any school that wins a big game does that and it just seems like a fun excuse for the sec to take some money away from you so that was my uh little grumble from last couple weeks ago all right morgan good the bad and the ugly all right well good let's start with my little man brody he is uh Last uh, his first two weeks of his new toddler room, he was crying at drop off every day, not wanting to be left. Um, last two day, last three days, he's just rocking and rolling, ready to go into class. So you finally got over his hump of transitioning to the uh, early preschool room. So that was exciting. Um, great. Bridget is uh, standing on her own almost. Few times a night, she few times a night she crawled over to, to mommy, climbed up, stood up, and let go, and just kind of stood there. So nice. we think we think she's gonna be walking by her first birthday, uh, which would be pretty cool. Ugly. Uh, I know we don't talk much NFL here, but can how much uglier can can the Washington football team get? Um, emails coming out involving our former president. GM with you know horrible language and photos of God knows what. Um, then to cover it up, all of a sudden out of the blue, we're having a retiring of a jersey of a jersey number, which they claim was months in the making, but that just slipped the PR's mind to let the public know. <laughs> well, we did we didn't know people wanted to come and like. Okay, you you you're going to retire a jersey number, and you think. To not tell him because you didn't think anybody wanted to come. Um, I smell bullshit on that one and say this is a complete uh, misdirection of the email fiasco going on. 
with the investigation of the Washington football team, which one more side note, during the press conference for the retirement of the jersey, Dan Snyder shows up looking like a bum in a, in a hoodie, like he didn't know even, he had no idea what was going on the weekend as well. Just one more thing on top of being a Washington football fan. Um, the day he sells the team will be the happiest day. Um, uh, uh, yeah, just ugly Washington football team. Yeah, I should, the, I, should, I, should, I should I should have said that. My ugly is the Washington football team. Done. Morgan General. <laughs> they should have they should have learned something from Hillary Clinton. Delete those damn emails. <laughs> yeah, well, well quick uh, and I won't, I won't take long because I'll be pretty quick. Apparently Congress is trying to demand that the NFL release their documents on their findings because a lot of people think that they're trying to cover up and uh and um protect the nfl owners on this uh well if it, i would hope they would focus on finding hillary's emails first and then that we can right football. <laughs> well, i no i agree with you justin i really do but <laughs> at the same time i want dan snyder out as my owner <laughs> <laughs> all right ryan good the bad and the ugly all right let's get this lane train back on the track <laughs> <laughs> oh man there's so much because we had two weeks of it. Uh, good. UNC has now won three straight against Miami. They go into a bye before a pretty difficult schedule against the Irish, Wake Forest, and then that Pittsburgh game could potentially be a big deal. Um, this is touch- 2021. You're talking about, wow, that Wake Forest game's a big game this year. That's, I didn't that's say 2021 that. football. That's- <laughs> well, they're ranked. The, both of those, the Irish and Wake Forest are ranked. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah. So that pit game. Mm-hmm. If if for some reason the Irish and Wake if if we were able to get past the Irish and Wake, which is a big freaking if, then uh, that pick game could be pretty important for the coastal. Uh, there's some players on Carolina that are doing their best. We're not making up nearly as much as we should for last year's offense. Um, another good. Uh, I got to see old buddy this weekend that I didn't expect to see at boat show from Wilmington. I actually got to see him on Friday night and then again on Monday night once the show was over. Uh, 15 years since I've seen this guy, which is, uh, I was, I was a little worried going into it that maybe we had changed or like, you know, we wouldn't be able to hit it off. And yeah, that lasted about three minutes. And, uh, <laughs> within about seven minutes, we were talking about drinking too much. Eight minutes in, we were talking about doing communion at a Lutheran church. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> dead honest. So, uh, it was really enjoyable to see him. It was a little bittersweet to see him too. Um, uh, uh, he's, he's able to travel like a free man. He's got some cool gigs that he's done and he's been moving on all over the countryside. And, um, all, alongside of what goes with that, of course, is a little bit of uh, financial insecurity. So kind of depends on what you want. 50 of 50, you know, of, of, I don't want to say it like that, but it's, you make decisions in life and you end up where you are and I'm, I'm happy where I am, but I'm, I'm happy for him as well. It's probably the best way of saying for it. And, uh, it was just, Happy to see him again on on Monday. So that was definitely a good, um, bad. Uh, I was just going to talk about the football in general. I'll reel them off. Number two, Iowa lost to Purdue at home. Rutgers lost at home to Northwestern. South Carolina South Carolina needed the last thirty seconds to beat Vanderbilt, and then uh, Yale somehow lost to an zero and six coachless UConn team. So in case you were not paying attention on Saturday, <laughs> uh, you didn't miss much. Uh, I didn't even touch or talk about the Tech or Duke games, which I noticed were not in the bed. So it makes sense. 
Let's get to ugly real quick. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take shots at one of our producers on the podcast. Um, Jock Peterson. One of our. You can, you can lose. <laughs> you can lose the pearls. I like you, but this is a bad look. You're not a bad bitch because you're wearing <laughs> pearls. All right. <laughs> as, long Google, as, he, as long as he plays well, I don't care. Google pearls, Jock Peterson, or just watch a game. It's hysterical. He is wearing pearls all the time in the batter's box, the whole nine yards. He says the reason why he can wear the pearls is because other guys wear chains. <laughs> <laughs> He's and an eccentric the, guy. That's for sure. He is. And in the ugliest of all, and we don't need to dive into this, but for those that didn't watch, definitely Google this, the Manning Bowl and the having in Knoxville between the lane train of Ole Miss. He was coming back home for the first time to Rocky Top. Or maybe we should refer to it now as Morgan texted us Rocky Top Golf because they were throwing golf balls and mustard bottles and all sorts of stuff on the field. If you didn't hear it or see it happened about midnight on Saturday, they cleared the field all the way up to the first ring. Then I guess the people decided that they weren't going to hold back that many people or the security guards just gave up because everybody came running back down to the field and started throwing stuff again. Uh, incidentally, Ole Miss won. So, and then when they interviewed Lane after the game, he commented on how wonderful the fans were in Tennessee and then held up the golf ball to the camera. <laughs> it's, it's amazing to me. Like who brings mustard bottles and golf balls to a football game? Well, they, they were prepared for that. I just, He's been back as offensive coordinator before. Like it, I don't. It it just seemed aggressive, you know. Like people, they hold a grudge apparently in Tennessee. That's because they haven't been worth the shit since '98. <laughs> yeah, that's and part even, of it. And even then's a stretch. <laughs> All right, so that leaves me. I'm gonna start off my good with uh, NC State. This past weekend entered as a three-point road favorite over the Boston College Eagles, who were sitting at four and one. Uh, after a close first half, um, the Wolfpack opportunistically uh, had a couple plays break their way, and then just poured it on the Eagles up in Chestnut Hill. I think coming into that game, NC State was something like two and fifteen, two and ten, something like that, all time at Chestnut Hill. So this is a place that we historically just struggle at for whatever reason. And NC State wins 33-7. to Proved a 5-1 and one on the year. Move up to 18th in the polls. Just keep it rolling, Pack. And uh, that leads into my ugly. Uh, well, okay, good. That one's short. I'm watching the Braves-Dodgers game right now. I thought it was going to be the third home run of the inning. But leads it leads into my ugly. It involves NC State's game this weekend. The um, We're playing Miami down in Coral Gables. And um, their freshman quarterback, I think his name is Jack Van Dyke, he was talking to the media. And apparently this kid has never had a meeting with a media rep because he sits there and he goes, well, you know, NC State's defense has been pretty good, right? They're top whatever in the country, but that doesn't matter. These are the same guys we put up 44 on last year. Keep in mind, he didn't play a snap last year. But these are the same guys we put up 44 on last year. I don't think they can stop us. If as if they you didn't want to give a top twelve defense in the country uh, any more motivation to come after a freshman quarterback playing in his fourth game when he's you take away his his one game against um, uh, really really bad competition he's he's something like has thrown two touchdown passes and has like five picks so it isn't like this guy's lighting the world on fire so I hope that he eats his words this weekend horrible take from a fourth game freshman quarterback coming in playing against uh, uh, the best defense in the ACC. 
All right, it leads into my bad. My bad uh, yesterday. I went to, so for a little context, over the better part of the last year, I had uh, grown my hair a little longer, a little bit more than I have in um, pretty much any time in my life. And I'd actually grown quite fond of it. I, but I knew I needed to get it trimmed a little bit because it was starting to get a little frizzy in certain areas and all that. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go get it trimmed. I know better than to go to a barbershop, like sport clips. But I'm like, you know what? Even they can't screw up a trim. So I go in there and I, like, I walked in. This 20-year-old young girl comes up there and is cutting my hair. And she asked me, what is I, how do I want it to get it cut? And I told her, I was like, I want you to trim it right about here. Get rid of all the areas that keep like straying out around my glasses and everything. She goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that works. So I'm sitting there and I'm blind as a bat without my glasses on. So my glasses are often sitting on the counter. I'm, I can barely see myself, like what's going on in the mirror. She just starts cutting and I'm thinking, this is taking a little longer than it should. And I start squinting in the mirror and I was like, this girl. I said, probably said another expletive in my head, but I was like, this girl, she had literally cut off all of my hair. So I'm back to where I was nine months ago before I even started growing my hair and I didn't even try to get it cut. And then to pour salt on an open wound, I was just said it with a smile. She didn't do a bad job with the haircut credit to her for that. But she's like I said, she's 20 and I'm about seven, seven and a half years older than her. She takes the little uh, tarp thing they put on you to catch the hair off. I'm wearing my NC State uh, pullover. She sees that and she goes, oh, NC State, are you a fan or a professor? (laughs) I was like, are you serious? I said, not only does she cut my hair against my will and I can't see it because I'm blind, but she calls me old in the process. I was like, probably the single worst um, haircut I've ever gotten. Not to mention that she kept going on and on about her trip to the state fair and told me three (laughs) times that she doesn't eat meat. And I was thinking, I don't give a shit. Just cut my hair like I wanted to. That's my bad for the week. Horrible, sports. horrible experience. Is your, song of the, sport clips. is your song of the month, Hey There, Delilah? <laughs> sports Clips is like the day shift in a strip club. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, my. Just, I mean, at least, just, at least just, go to haircuttery. I, just, I, I, I go to haircuttery. What was it from the office? It, you just can't unsee it. <laughs> <laughs> What the crazy thing is, like, I really didn't think that anybody could really screw up a trim, but my God, she didn't even listen, and she just went to town cutting my hair. Dude, you just, no. Sports clips, (laughs) guys' plays, those places, man, are people who all they know how to do is use clippers, and that's it. (laughs) All you need. And when I say say use clippers, I mean, like, use a one to go... <laughs> something you, something you can do for free at home is what I was gonna say. You you're saying I could get a job at Sport Clips then? Yeah, exactly. For four, <laughs> you pay fourteen ninety nine each time for something you can do at home for free. That's how that's how that's how talented they are at Sports Clips. Something you can do for free at home. Sponsor us, Sport Clips. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Sport Clips. <laughs> Yeah, we're never ever. We hate everyone. We're never ever getting a sponsor. <laughs> well, you maybe if somebody else gonna... out a product that's worth a the shit, then they will be able hey. to take a sponsorship. <laughs> Dustin, I'm, Dustin, I'm trying to live up to the name of our podcast here. I'm miserable and reckless, and but but yeah. you ain't as reckless as that damn barber that that <laughs> we went against my wheel and cut all my hair off. Well, you had to invite her on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
be like the professor, the the old old guy that you cut his hair the other day wants you to come on the podcast. We can we can make we can we can let be a special guest and then I'll cancel her and sports clips. Yeah, we won't even talk to her at all. We're just like this is so and so. I'm not gonna say her name. This is so and so. Guess what? You know what? You're canceled. <laughs> this, this, just keep her on mute and kick her out. <laughs> this this is a uh, Bambi from sports clips. You should uh. If you started doing live spots like that at things that made you upset, like the Harris Teeter grocer or something, and you pulled out like a tape recorder and you were like, tell me why you suck. And then like we played, <laughs> we played it on here. That could be kind of funny. That really it would be, be funny. it would be, it would it'd probably ruin people's days though. They'd be like, I'm just <laughs> trying my best. <laughs> Larry, Larry, explain to me how you could beat us off. Go. It doesn't matter. All <laughs> the way. Yeah. Anyway, uh, all right. Moving into the weekend look ahead. What do you guys have going on? Uh, well, I do want to give a little uh, birthday shout out to our buddy Jim. Um, he's going to be celebrating it with a little, little brunch action this weekend. So just wanted to say happy birthday, Jim. Um, other than that, same old, same all around here. Happy birthday, Jim. I hope the Hokies win. Yeah, happy birthday. Happy birthday. I hope the Hokies don't win. I want Fuente's gone. <laughs> Morgan's like turned on all his teams this year. He's like, I'm right. done with Washington. I'm done with Virginia Tech until something changes. <laughs> our weekend look ahead is about how all we really want is our teams to be awful so that they can completely clean house and start over. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I really just hope with my team that. Uh, this was the first season, like I said, that I ever went to the games and I had long hair. I hope it's not a Samson kind of scenario where I cut the hair and then the luck goes away for the Wolfpack. We've been playing pretty well so far. Oh, boy. Well, maybe the vegan 20-year-old is actually a student at Chapel Hill. And she, yeah, uh, I know. She was like, Wolfpack, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> if she's a UNC fan, that would explain how, why she's so crappy. <laughs> And and why she works at Sports Clips because that, that lovely degree from Chapel Hill worked out wonders. <laughs> well, she's only twenty, more. <laughs> speaking of speaking of birthdays, I'm going to my niece's birthdays this weekend. I'm very excited about this. There's going to be an out. Well, I don't know who's more excited, me or them. They invited me to their birthday party a couple months ago when they came over to the pool. I was officially invited by my nieces. Both of them. Oh, they, share, they share a birthday week. So they get to do a birthday together. Um, the aunt has been very excited. She put together some packages for the, some bags for them. And they've been put together upstairs for about five days. So we're going to go over. We're going to watch a movie outside. Um, so it's going to be really awesome. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to miss the NASCAR race. But that's okay. Because I prefer to hang out with my nieces. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, uh, me, not a whole lot going on other than watching the pack play Miami. And um, then a buddy of mine is having a, um, I guess it's a Halloween party. I don't know. It's like, yeah, I guess that's what you would call it. It's really not going to be a massive party like you would think when you're 20 years old, because apparently I'm old now, says the 20 year old (laughs) vegan barber at, um, at whatever it's called, sport clips, that crappy place people go. But anyways, that'll be fun. Oh. 
Um, well, we didn't do it last week, so I'll run through this quickly. Uh, in the past week, Kyle Larson won a race. That's surprising, right? Everyone's really shocked. He won some six shooters in a cowboy hat at Texas. Pretty cool trophy. <laughs> There's eight drivers left because there was a playoff race or a cutoff race in there. All that matters about that cutoff race is that Kevin Harvick got kicked out after he tried to wreck Chase Elliott. He spun himself out. Chase didn't even have to wreck him. So there's eight drivers left. There's Larson, who's already into the championship four. And then there's seven other guys fighting it out. But really, the ones that matter because they're ahead in the points are Blaney, Hamlin, Kyle Busch, and Chase. So those are your four that are fighting for the last three spots for right now. There's some other guys they could they could get in if they win. But kind of weird if you think about it. NASCAR, we're watching, we're talking about playoffs, hockey playoffs, college football playoffs. It's really weird when you think about the fact that there's playoffs and there's 40 other drivers that don't really give a crap, or I guess 30, that are driving around on the same track with you and could wreck you at any point in time. So uh, it kind of makes it interesting and actually really frustrating when something happens. But uh, that's the NASCAR update. You got three of these things left, so try and bear with us. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Only three more weeks. Yeah, it's Kansas, Martinsville, and then Phoenix for the championship. At least Martinsville is in there. Jeez. All uh, right. Three more weeks. I got that going for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to hear about this shit anymore. <laughs> At least not until February. I thought you were a huge Kyle Bush fan. That's what you keep telling me. <laughs> <laughs> we need one of our producers to go back and find that. <laughs> Wait, wait, who's the other producer? <laughs> There's Junk Logan and Silver Logan. <laughs> I think I think my exact quote when we had that discussion about who you're cheering for, I was like, wait, is that the guy I'm supposed to cheer for? And you're like, no, it's the other one. It's his brother. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> All right, Dustin, moving over to you for the next segment. Yeah. All right. Uh, so this one's... Um, this was not meant to be like a little bit of a downer, but it's a, it's a little bit of a downer. Um, but we'll hopefully lift it up a little bit. A uh, couple of folks who we, you know, care about, and we'll get into this a little bit, at, you know, came out publicly sharing some of their health issues. And we just thought we want to spend a few minutes on it just because they're, we've talked about them on this podcast. You know, they kind of fit, you know, our interest, if you will. Um, and just, you know, it's worth spending a few minutes on. So for me, one that I noticed, one that I sent to the guys, and I was kind of like, wow, I didn't know this was going on, was Alan Jackson. Uh, He came out um, recently and said for like 10 years, he's had, uh, I think it's Charcot Marie tooth disease. And it's not an actual tooth disease, by the way. It has nothing to do with his mouth. Um, It's a degenerative neurological syndrome um, that he's had for over 10 years. Basically, his nerves connected to arms, hands, legs, feet, etc. Uh, start get to. He can have paralysis. He gets to have, or he sometimes may have muscle weakness or can't use it. Basically, what I'm trying to say is, he's a performer. He sings for a living. He plays guitar and stands up on stage. And the his body parts that he uses to do that are failing him because of this disease. There's no. Uh, it's not terminal. Um, it's not one of those things that'll end up like taking him, but it is something that is in some ways taking his career from him. And that's why he hasn't performed as much in the past few years. Um, 
per the uh, the New York Post, give them a little credit here. This is what they wrote about it. The Chattahoochee singer assured viewers the disease caused by a genetic mutation he inherited from his father is not going to kill him. Nevertheless, it's affected his ability to perform and even appear in live broadcasts. He said, it's getting more and more obvious, and I know I'm stumbling on stage, and now I'm, I'm having a little trouble balancing, even in front of a microphone, so I just feel very uncomfortable. So, but, you know, it's a little bit of a sad thing. It's obviously not, you know, life-altering or anything like that. Um, but, you know, when you talk about quintessential small-town Southern man, it's Alan Jackson. I mean, he, he, when you listen to his music, you know, he talks about being humble, being proud of your family and your heritage, um, understands that, you know, small town America or, and or the South, you know, while it's not perfect, it's pretty wonderful. He talks about his deep faith. He even has put out some gospel albums. Um, in many ways, what his music describes is what we talked about in our Southern Rock episode and like episode six or whatever it was, you know, a long time ago. Now it feels like guys. Um, one thing that just kind of looking at him uh, and then we can kind of move on from, you know, to the next part of this. But when it comes to his songwriting, he was one thing that stood out about Alan Jackson. He's always written his own songs, pretty much all of them he's written. And uh, his quote on that was he quoted Hank Williams and he said, God writes the songs. I just hold the pen. And I thought that was a pretty good way of putting it. Um, so, you know, I, you know, I don't know if I know Morgan, you're, you're not a huge Alan Jackson fan, but maybe I know Logan, you're a big fan and, and Angle, you have some, some knowledge and, and care about it. You may, if you want to share anything on that, you know, feel free to throw it out there. Yeah, for sure. Like Alan Jackson, I, I'm, it's sad to hear cause like it's, it's, encouraging and good to hear that it's not um a terminal illness that it's going to like take his life or anything but it is going to take something away from him eventually if it isn't already beginning to do that and that's you know the joy that he has in performing because i mean he's been doing that for you know most of his life but alan jackson you know the the impact that he's had on me and a lot of country music fans in general he's on my uh mount rushmore of country music um he is one of those guys that when you think uh, 1990s country music, he's one of the top two, two to three names you think of. And what, like to Dustin's point, what's impressive about him is the longevity of his career. But not only that, it's like just, it's not just the commercial success. It's also like the artistic side of um, how many songs that he's written, but it's not just like you see with guys like, even though I love him, it's guys like Eric church and some of the other guys that they co-write a lot. Alan Jackson writes a large amount of his songs by himself. And you don't have many big time stars that do a lot of solo rights. It's just, it's difficult to do and also be able to make it uh, amenable for mass consumption that keeps you at the top. Alan Jackson had this knack for writing music that was lyrically deep and or uh, had a story to tell, but at the same time had a catchy um, th this catchiness to it, whether it was the hook or just what it was about that resonated with people. And it just, it, it, re it ended up being like a, what, a 30 some year career. Um, that is just, it speaks volumes on it. And it holds up on its own. His music is not going to be something that's like the flavor of the month. And then you forget about it in a few years. It's going to stand the test of time. So like hats off to a legend there. And I, I really hope that he's able to be able to get it under control. I don't know if that's possible. I, I don't know anything about the disease, but it like it would really suck if he's not able to be on stage in front of the mic uh 
telling the the story of a small town southern man as only he can absolutely and one thing as you were talking made me think of and i know logan you can speak to it a little bit he's a very quiet outlaw i think in many ways um you know people always talk about the outlaw country guys from the 70s and 80s 60s 70s 80s but he's a if there ever was one he's one and, i'll give uh, you a Two examples to back Dustin's uh, point here up. One being, uh, I don't remember the year or whether it was CMAs or the ACMs, but it was on one of the two shows during what was uh, at the prime of his career. So anywhere from the mid-90s to like the uh, early 2000s. The first example was they wanted him to play for a uh, with a backing track and his band just pretend to play. He refused, but they they went over his head and forced him to. So what he did was, if you look in the background on that performance, it's on YouTube. His drummer is drumming with no sticks. So behind them, he's drumming just in the air with no sticks. And that was just a kind of a, a very quiet FU to the TV execs that told him they had to play to a backing track because of time constraints. That's just a pretty badass move. And now mm-hmm. another example that kind of speaks to his reverence for country music and his respect he has to those that paved the way before him 1999, I believe it was, uh, George Jones had one last kind of song that kind of was a big song called Choices. It was after, I think he had had some, um, had he has a long storied history of uh, issues with alcohol. And he wrote a song, you know, just kind of detailing some of those choices he made in his life. And they were gonna let him play it at one of the big award shows, but they wouldn't let him play the whole song. It was only going to be like a, one of those leaving to commercial break. And George Jones is one of the greatest country artists of all time. Alan Jackson thought that was completely disrespectful. So George Jones refused to play. He didn't play at all. Alan Jackson goes up there to play his hit song of the time at the time, Papa Top. And halfway through, he stops and his band stops and they, they jump into Choices by George Jones. Un- unbeknownst to the uh, guys running the show, the executives or the suits, as, as they would say, but... He, those are just two moments where, like Dustin said, he's a, he's a quiet outlaw that stood up for the uh, what's right in the genre of country music. Yeah, and I think he's walked out, walked out of the CMAs afterwards. He like would refuse to stay. It was well, he did that also when um, uh, Beyonce and the Dixie Chicks played. I believe he walked out on that <laughs> during that one. He is all about country music. Him and what, many about twenty years ago, him and George Strait put out the murder on. Music row, yeah. so, huh? yep. so it I mean, tells you how like, long that de- debate's been going on. Speaking of Alan Jackson and George Jones, I mean, he said that his philosophy has always been. George Jones told him once in like 1990, he's like, "Kid, all you gotta do is keep it country," and that's what you know. He said he's tried to do his whole career. Yep. Anyway, I know you talked about. Uh, it was Alan Jackson was popular around the time you were really starting to pay attention yep. to music. So, so I. It's interesting you brought up the George Strait thing. I'll keep it short and simple. Um, I don't have the the background, but uh, I've gone back and listened to it all at this point because I appreciated it. And uh, right around the time that I was starting to understand the differences in music would have been second, third, fourth grade, something like that. Go out to a Texas roadhouse or something. You realize the music on the radio is a little different from, <laughs> you know what I mean? What you're what you're hearing on the on the normal restaurants or whatever. You know, it's not all Hootie and the Blowfish anymore. So. Uh, <laughs> So, um, I started to figure out who, you know, I, I didn't know any better. And the one thing that uh, I'll take away about Alan Jackson is this, it, and it's interesting. It's the same about George Strait. Uh, you can call it whatever you want, neo-traditional country, whatever, all this kind of nonsense, but, um, 20 years removed, 
it sounds exactly like it did back then. And it sounds authentic. And I think even as a young kid, I was able to appreciate the authenticity of something. Um, I like Kenny Chesney because he sings about getting drunk and going to the islands, but I'm not sure. I think that that's Kenny Chesney's authentic self, but I'm not sure that that really holds up when you're, I mean, maybe if you, if you own a boat, but I'm not sure that really holds up when you're in your fifties, you know what I mean? So like, Oh, keg in the closet. Yeah. I don't don't know, man. (laughs) I'm not comparing the two of them. That's not, I I don't need to bring somebody down to pick somebody up, but um, Alan Jackson always seemed to be a bit more authentic. The only other thing I'd say about him, I, I found this and I thought it was funny. Um, apparently his wife, did you guys know this? Got him his start by meeting Glenn Campbell on a plane. She was a flight attendant and she passed Glenn Campbell, Mr. Wichita, uh, lineman and everything else. Um, famous country singer for those that don't know, um, from the seventies who also had a problem with alcohol. <laughs> I actually like a lot, but, um, uh, so I thought that was cool that, uh, she passed him his tape, but long story short on that is that, um, you mentioned that it would be a shame if he didn't get on stage, Alan Jackson, because of his authenticity and because of his faith, he strikes me as the kind of person that would, and because of his humility, he strikes me as the kind of person that would appreciate his career. And he wouldn't be bothered by that because I have a feeling he's more than just a country singer. I think some of these guys, if you took it away from them, um, they would be bothered by it or, or they would not know what to do. And I think that Alan Jackson, uh, especially because he's only telling us about this for the first time in a decade. Um, first of all, that shows incredible humility to not go after the, the misery vote or the, or the pity vote. But on top of that, just to let us know what he's going through and to be human about it. I, I just, I think that that reeks of authenticity yet again. And that's the only other thing I would say about him. Yeah. Well, speaking of authenticity, there was a, another bit of news that came out this week that I think angles you wanted to share. Um, college basketball world is a big impact on that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how this works sometimes. Cause we'll chat about stuff during the week and then we ended up not doing our podcast last week. So it ended up perfectly dovetailing. We were going to talk about Alan Jackson this week. Unfortunately, we found out on Monday this week that, um, Dick Vitale, Dookie V, Dickie V, whatever. Hey baby, <laughs> you know, him. um, he announced on Monday that he's been diagnosed with lymphoma. I'll keep it short and sweet because he kept it short and sweet. Um, he's treating it with steroids. He's going to do six months of chemo. He's 82 years old. He's planning on working during this basketball season, including traveling all around while taking chemo. Um, you put two and two together and, and may not be the safest situation for him, but he loves what he loves and that's what he wants to do. Um, he recently removed a melanoma that is completely unrelated earlier this year. So talk about a guy who's having a bit of a rough year. Um, and this was his comment. He said, if you see me, please just give me a fist bump and say a prayer for me. I'm 82 years old. I want to go back to doing what I enjoyed when I was 12. So don't need to, unless you guys want to talk about it, uh, more. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a bummer when you find out, I mean, I, I, I know people personally that have cancer and they get older and you, you look at them and you go, you know, you know that it's out there, right? It's kind of like getting in the ocean and knowing that there's sharks out there. You just don't think that they're going to get you or your friends or people, you know, and then you find out that they're dealing with it or they're fighting through it. And you realize how fleeting life is and, or you realize how much time you might be wasting potentially. And that's really difficult to deal with at times. Um, 
I've watched a lot of sunsets and sunrises since I moved into this community and I really appreciate it. And the one thing that always sticks with me, and I wrote this in the notes here, is that for about two minutes, it turns red and it's perfect. And that's when you can get the, the perfect picture when all the colors are in bloom. And it, it kind of sort of seems a little bit like that's, that's life at times. You have your health, you have your talents, you have your money, you have your kids, you have your everything. And then all of a sudden you realize you can't take it through the door anymore. And uh, I don't know. It's just it, not meant to be sappy or anything else. It's just, it's a, it's a shock. And then you realize, okay, like let's, let's rally behind that person that we know, or let's, let's keep them in mind when we see them on TV or on stage or whatever it may be. And, and you just, just, you can't take it through the damn door. So uh, don't let stubborn grudges or anything be a regret. And uh, I don't know Do you guys have anything else you want to say on it. It sucks to watch people you, you appreciate get old or young for that matter, if they get, get them young too. Yeah. I mean, it's, I hadn't heard about it till you mentioned it. You know, Dick Patel, I mean, I love college basketball. We, we all love college basketball, but I, you know, I grew up in North Carolina. You can't help but be all about it. And that was a huge part, you know, him, the constants for me watching it every year is coach K and Dick Patel. You know, you knew Dickie B was going to call Duke games. You knew he was going to be a little biased towards Duke. You knew Coach K was trolling the sidelines. And it was just kind of this fun atmosphere. And, uh, you know, I I love that his his attitude is, I'm going to keep doing what I love. Because, you know, you don't know. Even, let's say he his treatments are successful. Um, it doesn't guarantee any, you know, percentage of time or whatever he sh- he should absolutely do what he loves to do and you can tell he thoroughly enjoys it i've thoroughly enjoyed listening to him over the years even as he's gotten a little bit older and i know he's not as sharp as he used to be he's still because of what he's done over the years i still love you know listening to the guy <clears throat> and just you know appreciate what he's done and definitely uh definitely will say a prayer for him and if i ever see him give him that fist bump that he asked for Yeah, Dickie V is obviously uh, one of the most well-known and probably revered college basketball announcers, maybe of all time, but especially of the last like 30 years. He He's a guy that I, I specifically remember when me and one of my, my good buddies, Jordan Hargrove, who was a UNC fan, we used to talk about Dickie V when we both got like really into college basketball when we were like nine or 10 years old. Um, it was like everybody at school would kind of like, try to do the Dickie V voice and, you know, try to do, do all the sayings that he did. So it's like, he has a very recognizable, like, um, kind of persona that, that he's had that I believe is very much him to speak to angles point with Alan Jackson on authenticity. The man loves college basketball. He loves the fans. He loves everything about it. And, uh, so it's kind of, it's, it's sad to hear this. I hope he beats it. And, but I'll, at the same time, I also hope he's healthy enough to be able to, to give it a go this year because he's doing what he loves. Yeah, we'll definitely be saying a prayer for him. Hopefully he uh, fights through all this. So there we go. Uh, Alan Jackson and Dick Vitale. Oh, well, not like they're gone, but uh, it stinks to have him go through some stuff. And it stinks to... We're all frail <laughs> at one point or another. <laughs> that stinks. 
Speaking of things we can grumble about <laughs> and yeah. be miserable that'll be about. A, that'll be a, <laughs> that'll be coming to your your podcast soon. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So on that note, I know we uh we had a little bit of a, a damper on, in the last segment, but it was important um to to some figures that were important to us and everything we want to talk about. But now let's move into on a little bit brighter news, giving you some some recommended music from the musical extraordinaires that are Ryan Angle and Logan Deberry. It's that time again, folks. <laughs> Go that song far. Of, <laughs> song of the month. Where we all we pick one a piece and then we have one collab pick. So we'll throw it over to Ryan to introduce his song of the month. And we might have to rename this song of the every four or so episodes ish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're doing our best. <laughs> all right. Um we picked three songs each month, one combo, one each. I think you said that. They are all on a Spotify playlist that we started back in May. So we'll add these three tonight. And then uh, you guys will be good to go. Um, my song was going to be something different. And I was talking to Logan, actually, late night on Friday, last night, or uh, sorry, uh, last week. And we found, or yeah, well, we both like the album at this point. But Ashlyn Croft... The name of the album is also the name of the song that I'm going to pick, which is Traveling Kind. Um, I found another one of her songs on a Spotify playlist, clicked on it, uh, liked the raspiness in her voice. i um, been a fan of Claire Dunn and some others that have a, a Miranda Lambert's known for uh, Ashlyn Craft. Sorry, I did get that wrong. Ashlyn Craft and uh, Traveling Kind and uh, been a fan of Claire thank you Dunn. Thank producer for, for helping you out there. Thank you, Logan, for helping me out. <laughs> so uh, I was listening to this other song, like the album, or like the song enough that I clicked on the album. And the first song is Traveling Kind. Um, okay, cool. Kicked it off. What a shit-kicking riff immediately. There's a harmonica that comes in. Then all of a sudden, she's screaming at you with this rasp. And it's it's pleasant. It's not. It's it's really nice. It's, it's really enjoyable. Um, you get the idea real quick on this song. This is a woman that is not ready to settle down. Um, she's out there to uh, take names. And not, as she says in the song, she's not holding your hand. Um, first line of the album is truck stop coffee and a Carolina sunrise. One out the window and one on the wheel. Open interstate, sky full of blue skies. There's something about the way that my freedom feels. Okay. Um, I'm not going to go too much into the song. It's a great song sonically. Uh, the woman can play guitar. I can tell you that much. Um, if you listen to it on our playlist, uh, she's got one hell of a guitar riff at the end. Um, there's other songs on there that we can recommend. Uh, Keep Me Honest, producer. Track five, something about a highway. Um, right? Yeah. What's totally the name of that? My middle of the album. My Highway. Sorry, I didn't take notes on the rest of the album. And then what was the song we were talking about before we hopped on? Uh, the day we were talking about, um, you're talking about Make It Past Georgia. That song is, is the one both of us like. And what's the seventh or eighth track? Oh, yeah. It's uh, Let You Fly. That's also a great song. A um, little bit of Tom Petty on there. Um, the Highway song is pretty much the companion song to Miranda uh, Lambert's Vice. If you listen to it, you'll understand why. Wakes up, doesn't necessarily want to be there, doesn't really know how to get anywhere else. A um, couple other notes on this real quick. She's toured with Luke Combs. Uh, Morgan Wallen, Co Wetzel, and Riley Green. So, in case you haven't listened to any of our podcasts before, um, gee, I wonder why she sounds the way she sounds, and I guess she fits right into uh, 
into what we like. One other thing, because we're doing this on Zoom. She says, I don't want to sound like a hippie or anything. Just kind of grumbly about the pandemic. There's a theme in this episode. I don't want to sound like a hippie or anything, but I truly believe I'm one of those people who have to be able to draw off people's energy for the song to work. And the uh, the uh, person said that was interviewing her said, so do you hate Zoom? She said, I mean, hate is a strong word, but yeah, I fucking hate it. She growls. <laughs> it says her gravelly voice and attitude conjuring up members, memories of a young and spunky Miranda Lambert. I just find that writing over Zoom makes me nervous and takes the human element out of the room. I maybe wrote one song over the quarantine, so I just fucking hate technology. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Ashlyn Craft. Please go listen to her stuff. It's awesome. Yeah, real quick on on Ashlyn Craft. I, I agree with Ryan. Like this, I think it's a fantastic album. Um he he sent me like a screenshot of uh, one of the songs from that album and I got to listen to it. And then I, I then I listened to it the rest of the weekend. Then right now I've been listening to it, you know, pretty much every other th- playlist or album. I, got, I keep coming back to this one. It's a very good record. I, I think I first heard about her because she did a duet with Hardy on his song. So close. So when he said that name, I was like, I think I remember that. And then, yeah, she was on his, uh, I guessed it on his last album, a rock, but Ashlyn craft is, is very reminiscent of like early Miranda Lambert with kind of that edge. So definitely check her out. Cause, uh, some fantastic stuff here. All right. So that moves into keeping kind of with a rock edge, uh, moving into my song of the month. Um, my song of the month is a song called, uh, Ramon Ayala, uh, by Giovanni and the hired guns. Gio Yanez is the lead singer of Gio and the Hired Guns. He's out of Texas. They're um, a kind of a rock band in the vein of like Co Wetzel, but a little bit more Blink One Eighty Two, I guess, kind of sound to it. Um, yeah, I really, really like their stuff. Um, Gio is kind of like really been on the come up within the Texas scene. Like he he's kind of like starting to get to where Co was three years ago. Um, and he's appealing to the same crowd. So I fully expect him to be like selling out four to 6,000, uh, seat venues, just like Co is now. And, uh, Gio is actually a guy who I've had on country and cold cans recently and super nice guy. Um, this song in particular, give you the backstory on why it's named Ramon Ayala, but, um, Gio is Mexican American and it was Ramon Ayala is a Mexican, uh, American, um, artist that him and his family had listened to. The song itself doesn't have anything to do with Ramon Ayala, but he he shout outs him in the chorus because he said he kind of wanted to pay homage to one of the first like people he listened to growing up and like somebody that kind of was an early musical um, uh, influence on him. And uh, but this song is just just as the kids say, a banger. It's not like going to be the deepest song you ever listen to, but when you hear it, like it starts off, I'm on the road again, half drunk with a lit cigarette. And then he said, I don't know when I'll be back in this town. Then it's like, it skips to him talking to a girl. And then it just says, and this is what she said to me. And then this is where the song kind of like really picks up is like the chorus goes, I'm just your ordinary fuck up. There's nothing special about me. I still bump Ramon Ayala when I get drunk. I'm just telling you, I'm not playing you. I just want to be the real me around you. Like, it's just the absolute banger of a rock song. He shout outs uh, a, a relatively obscure artist to most people that, um, they probably wouldn't know, but at the same time, the music video is absolutely hilarious. It, um, it's, uh, he went back and filmed it at his old high school and 
has a really high girl play this teacher, uh, substitute teacher <laughs> in it. And he, he, um, he, he talks about how it was kind of cool being able to go back to his high school, film a music video. Everybody was kind of real receptive. He said, especially after when he was in high school, they had a room that they said, go to Gio's room because he would get in trouble so much he'd be sent out of class. But definitely check out Ramon Ayala by Gio and the Hired Guns. And, um, you know, like I said, he's, uh, he's got a pretty bright future ahead of him in the Texas scene. So if you like that kind of rock music, you probably would like Gio. Do you guys want to, well, I guess you can see the notes. I know you guys are going to be shocked. Dustin and Morgan at what me and Logan picked for our combo song. (laughs) Go ahead, Logan. I'll be too long winded about it. All right, so we were talking about like what songs you know would we collab on with this one, and you know we ended up falling back on one of a couple of the guys here's preferred artists, one who I like some of his stuff. He's hit or miss for me, but it's a Chase Rice song, and Chase Rice has a new song called "If I Were Rock and Roll." Um, it's actually good. <laughs> it's actually pretty good. Like the way that I would describe it. Um, first and foremost, it's actually relatively country. <laughs> so good for uh, Chase for not sticking with that watered down bullshit Sam Hunt sound that he went to on his last record. But he, it's relatively country. And I always am like, when Chase Rice knows what he's doing, he's never going to be songwriter of the year, but he has enjoyable music to play. And the way I describe this song is kind of like a poor man's Eric Church type of song. If you, like, I, wouldn't you kind of think that, Ryan? Yep yeah it's like, exactly what i wrote <laughs> yeah it's a little listy in the lyrics but it's enjoyable and it, it would be it's fun music if you're gonna play it like you know hanging out with the guys or whether you're you know drinking at a tailgate or you're just hanging out in the living room or whatever you're doing like it, it's a it's good for those types of settings and but it's actually like pretty good it's not like you know like i said anything off his last record speaking of lists it seems we share the same role models and heroes because he lists that he would be a NASCAR man going round and round wearing number three. He'd be on the best damn football in the South. He'd be in the SEC, which is offensive because he played at Carolina. So uh, strike one, Chase. Even um, he doesn't want to claim him. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> he said he would be Velcro stitched up stars and stripes putting bad dudes in the ground. So uh, you read between the lines. And he says uh, he'd be, if he was rock and roll, he'd be a middle finger in your face. If he had lost soul, well, he'd be on church more than just Sunday. And if for some reason he met Jesus, he'd probably have a lot more forgiven to do. So to recap, that's a Jesus, that's a lost soul, that's a rock and roll artist, that's a Navy SEAL, that's an SEC football player, and that's a NASCAR race. So that's a that's with number three. So that's a list that I can get behind. None of this jean short sit up in my truck sideways, getting mud on the tires. Crap. Just a, <laughs> a list, a list for miserable and reckless approved list. <laughs> if you're gonna do a list, do it right. Except maybe don't diss Carolina. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of I don't know. I like that. Yeah, I like that. We'll put it to a vote. Everyone in favor of dissing Carolina, say aye. 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 Yeah, I thought we just move on. To one. <laughs> Speaking of Carolina football, that brings us to college football. Yeah, Morgan, <laughs> take it away, my man. All right. Well, welcome back to College Football Pick'em. This week, there's no cancel corner for me, so I'm going to bring you to this shit show we call College Football Pick'em and how much fun we're going to have this weekend with all of our fun teams and all the fun games we get to watch and hope our teams win. Wink, wink. Um, <clears throat> we'll start with the records. Logan, 
is winning 13 to 11. While me, Ryan, and Dustin are staying at 11 and 13. Because, you know, I like to pick my Virginia Tech games, and that pans out so well for me. Um, What's this week, Morgan? What's that? Are we, are we picking Tech this week? No. Uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, so to start off, uh, your top four is Georgia, Cincy. How fun is that? Um, can't wait to see them in the playoffs and play Alabama. Um, Oklahoma and, of course, Bama, because, you know, they lose to an unranked team. Granted, it is Texas A&M, but an unranked team and uh, moved to only the fifth spot uh, because, you know, college football, God forbid, they don't have Alabama in the uh, the playoffs. So, you know, they got that going for them. Good for them. You know, Michigan, oh, God, they're ranked inside the top ten. I'm sure Coach Kaki will screw that one up eventually. Penn State, Oklahoma State, Michigan State, Oregon, Iowa, Ole Miss, Notre Dame, Coastal, Kentucky, Wake, A&M, NC State, Auburn, Baylor, SMU, San Diego State, Pitt, uh, UTSA, and Purdue to finish out the top 25. If you didn't know no better, there for about five lines, you'd think uh, you were looking at basketball standings from like right? the late 80s, yeah. early 90s. Yeah, <laughs> I'm uh, talking about the Kentucky Wake NC State part. <laughs> <laughs> but good for NC State, man. I like to see them still sticking it out uh, inside the top 25, and hopefully they can continue doing that. Go Logan! Why not? Could, yeah, get all yeah. the way to the ACC championship and get COVID. <laughs> I was telling somebody the other day, could this be the year that we have a Georgia national title? an NC State ACC title, and an Atlanta Braves uh, World Series. If that's the case, everybody get ready. Oh, 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 don't, <laughs> don't, don't get ahead of yourself there. Don't, don't set yourself up for disappointment. Yeah, I would be perfectly awesome. fine with that outcome. That would be would, a perfectly I, fine outcome. I would too, but we live in – let's get back to reality. That's, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's so do it. Let's, let's jump into the pick em. So first up. First one we're going to talk about is an old rivalry here, USC and Notre Dame. At one point back in the day, this was actually a good game to watch, but these days, um, <laughs> you know, it's not a lot to watch with this crap. So uh, let's start with you, Dustin. Oh, my. Um, well, I've been pretty faithful with the Catholics in recent yeah. weeks, so I'm I'm sticking with the Catholics. But this that's for you, Brett. I'm sticking with Rudy and the Catholics. Logan. Yeah, I mean USC fired their coach. They play in the Pac-12, which is a garbage league. Give me Notre Dame. Exactly, Ryan. I was going to make a joke about you being faithful and being Catholic, but I'm just going <laughs> to. Not damn myself any further. I'll just pick Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pick Notre Dame too. I don't see Pete Carroll and uh, the truckload of money at football club. I'm sorry. Um, it's great recruiting that they did in, in the early 2000s coming through the front door. So uh, go Catholics. Clean <laughs> sweep. Uh, next, next up. Um, 
Where Which one do you guys want to choose? We can we can either talk Sensei at Navy or Wake at Army. Um, well, none of us feel like the Army, so go Navy. Let's talk Sensei at Navy. Um, Dustin, I'll, who you got? I'll agree with that just because I uh, don't like Wake Forest. So yeah, I'm with Morgan. So do we? Do we? Uh, the Sensei's shit the bed and lose the Navy, or um, does Sensei continue on? Winning against teams that you know, I guess matter or don't matter. <laughs> I'll go first. I'll go first. Go I live ahead. in Annapolis. My parents have season tickets to Navy. I've been to the Navy games, and I was at they the Navy fun. game in a rainstorm when they beat number three Houston. Navy has the ability to do this. Mm-hmm. Do I think they can do it this year? Yes, sure. Why the hell not? Navy. All right. Dustin. Um, no, that's not gonna happen. I'm sorry. <laughs> Luke, Luke Fickle Wait. and Cincy are going back to Ohio with a win, big guy. Wow. What it be a Debbie Downer and just ruin Ryan's parade. Yeah, literally. I don't I don't think that you understand. They're they're currently sitting in the college football playoff. I don't think you get it. So is Houston. Yes. Nobody cared about Houston either. Currently, yes, until they play Alabama and are losing 66 to nothing in the first quarter. Continue, Logan, go. Yeah, I'm going to continue to rain on Ryan's parade then because not only am I picking Cincinnati because they're legit this year and they're going to beat the crap out of Navy this week, but also Jack Peterson is at the plate and uh, he's wearing his pearls because it's October. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna make this interesting. I'm gonna go with Ryan, and we're gonna have an upset at Navy. There we go. Go Navy. I mean, if you just want to give Logan an odd win, then just go yeah, right in. Dustin, ahead. there's your separation <laughs> game for second place. <laughs> you guys have just an never, easy one, boys. You guys have just never been to a Navy tailgate. We should have picked that Wake Army game. <laughs> All right. So next up, LSU and how many games left at order and. Versus uh, uh, Ole Miss. Dustin, take it away. Uh, I mean, I, I got a good lane train on this because they are, I mean, they are playing good football. I think with Coach O, I mean, you know, with a little a tiny bit of seriousness here, with Coach O being out halfway out the door, what's this team got to play for? Like, it's, yeah. it just doesn't seem, I mean, what a weird thing to do to be like, it, this isn't like a retirement of a coach who's been there for 30 years. This is like, Hey, you did some out. bad things. Um, <laughs> and we're not happy with you. And we also don't like your performance the past few years, but you can stay to the end of the year. It doesn't make any, it, it, it must be a payout issue. They must've been able to pay out less money by letting you stay. But, right. uh, I mean, did, I don't know how much y'all read about this, but like, there's a lot, there's a lot of he, bad he, stuff. He, he was like making overtures to the pregnant wife of one of the people on like the board of governors for LSU. Like this, this stuff wasn't good. <laughs> so, you know, um, I think LSU is a mess. There's no way that the lane train ain't going to keep running. <laughs> uh, Logan. Yeah. Like, uh, before I get to my pick, I do want to 
piggyback off of Dustin right there and say that I, I did see the other day that one of uh, on Coach O's radio show, he was taking phone calls and, you know, they have that screening process for the radio. And the guy, like you see that famous picture of Coach O with, uh, you see that famous picture of Coach O with that young girl where he was laying in bed. Yeah, I've seen it. Well, this guy calls in and said, told the screener he was really going to ask questions about the previous game's week. So they let him through and he gets on there. He goes, Hey man, could you wish my sister a happy 21st birthday today? Um, her name is blah, blah, blah. And he goes, yeah, happy birthday. He goes, now stop sleeping with her. <laughs> oh, whoa! on the radio. <laughs> but yeah, on that note, sorry, coach. Uh, going with, uh, Ole Miss and the lane train. Once again, they're going to take care of business against, um, the, the tigers from LSU. But Dustin, the only other time I've ever seen that happen, Mark Godfrey got to finish out the season after he was fired mid season. So that's some NC state shit. The LSU's pulling. Yeah, seriously. Ryan, who you got? Well, I'm going to get up on my high horse here, and I'm going to talk about how crappy of an off-field coach Coach O is for letting all this shenanigans happen around his program. And what I'm going to do is go out on a limb and put on my white jacket and my white pair of pants and ride with the lane train that is statistically and just perfectly pure in the offseason for, for all time. Lane has never been involved in any sort of coaching or other, otherwise any sort of incident whatsoever. So for that reason and that reason alone, I am going with Ole Miss. How dare Coach O have any sort of indiscrepancies off, off the uh, – uh, it's disgusting. Ryan's going with morality. He's going with Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I was going to say, says the guy who says, I'm a fan of Lane Kiffin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so what do we got? The angel and Lane Kiffin versus the devil and Ed Orgeron. All right. Uh, you got to um, polarize the people. <laughs> yep. Because Lane Kiffin is a Boy Scout. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Tennessee has different opinions on that. Uh, <laughs> with that said, I'm going to go Ole Miss. They're 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 going to beat the snot out of LSU. All right. Next up, Clemson, who has no idea who the quarterback is, versus Pitt and their <laughs> ten-year veteran quarterback. Dustin, who you got? Morgan, Morgan for college football is your time, man. Um, you're not wrong. Kenny Pickett is, does seem to be on his like 15th year. Uh, <laughs> he's getting pretty close to retirement, I think. It's gonna be 30 years so, old when he gets drafted. <laughs> So it's such a weird place to be in that Pitt might be a better team than Clemson in 2021. Um, Pitt, is, Pitt is a better team than Clemson this year. Yeah, to be to be fair, I have not watched any Pitt games this year, so I have no idea um, beyond just looking at stats. But what's super sad and just – incredible to me is Clemson statistically is the worst offense in the ACC. That is incredible. I cannot believe that that is the case. Their defense is still up at the top of the conference, but their offense is dead last. They're worse than Duke, which is saying something. Um, And Virginia Tech. Um, But, you know, here we are. They're playing at Pitt. Maybe if they were in Death Valley, I'd have a little more faith, but I got to go Pitt. I mean, they're playing in Pittsburgh. It's a crazy world, man. What a, what a year 2020 and 2021 have been. 
Logan. Yeah, so this one's interesting. The the spread opened up at Clemson at being like a somewhere like a two score favorite, but it's quickly, quickly moved to Pitt being favored. When was the last time that any ACC team was favored <laughs> over Clemson in a regular season game? I, it's probably been a decade almost. It's but, been years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's been a while. But yeah, Kenny Pickett is a legitimate Heisman contender this year. He probably won't win it because Pitt's not going to be good enough for him to be on the um in the final two or three. But he is a legitimate Heisman contender. But like to Morgan's point, he ought to be after his tenth season in college football. <laughs> but Pitt eleventh eleventh season. Yeah, eleventh season. But Pitt's a, a good football team who um they did lose to Western Michigan earlier in the year, but they're playing much better football now. Clemson is elite on defense and really good on special teams, but that offense is anemic. So give me it's it, when you have a pretty uh, evenly matched game in a lot of areas. Give me the better quarterback. Give me Kenny Pickett and the Pitt Panthers at home. Ryan, what about you, bud? Um, I had typed my pick by accident in Logan's name. My pick is Clemson. Um, I noticed that Clemson was ranked number 25 in the coaches poll. So I don't know if Dabo is just voting for his team, but um, I, uh, I'll take the opposite of Logan. I'll keep it short and simple. I think it's the opposite. I think it's anytime you have an elite defense and a decent quarterback, I think your defense can can grind things to a halt and slow stuff down. We'll see what happens. Also, I'm not still a believer, even though it was last year. I'm not still a believer in that pit defense. <laughs> <laughs> Little callback for our longtime listeners. Mm. Well, I think uh I think you know, Clemson usually is a great team. You know, you always yeah, it was always been afraid of them, but I think uh I think this season their uh their downfall continues and I think you know uh Kenny the snake picket and his ten years of pit are gonna uh just pounce all over Clemson. <clears throat> I'm going I'm going pit. All right, next up NC State Wolfpack versus the the U who is not back. Uh, <laughs> not back this year, not back last year, not back next year. Um, I guess they're still waiting on that bus to take them back. Uh, Dustin, who you got? <laughs> um, uh, Wolfpack. I mean, Miami has just fallen apart. Like we we talked about several weeks ago. Um, that Alabama game does it. Does it benefit you or hurt you? And the stats are bearing it out, not just this season, but prior years. When you get the doors blown off of you by Alabama week one, that tends to ruin your season. Mm-hmm. Man, Miami's a mess this year. So suddenly Manny Diaz is on the hot seat, talking about potential replacements for him. Yeah, I mean, NC State. Unless they NC State it up, it's, it's NC State. Logan? This is your, this is your, uh, your team. Where are you going? Oh, well, I think we all know, but yeah. So last year, right, we played them in the COVID year. It was a forty-four forty-one game with Bailey Hockman under center for NC State. Um, this year the defense looks com- a complete one eighty from last year. The defense has been really, really good um, mm-hmm. for NC State. They are the best third down defense in the entire country. They have one of the top stop rates of any team in the entire country. And I think that is going to be the difference in the game because if we look at um, Miami offensively compared to last year, De'Ara King's out, Cameron Harris is out. 
They lost two receivers who had decent games against State last year to the transfer portal within the last 10 days. Their um, running back, Knighton, is very talented, but he's a freshman. He does scare me a little bit because those are the guys tend to show out against the Wolfpack. NC State can lose this game. They're a three-point favorite on the road once again, just like last week. But I firmly believe, and I may eat these words next week, but I've been saying it for a few weeks now, so this, this isn't anything groundbreaking. I firmly believe this NC State team is different because of their mental makeup. So give me the Wolfpack on the road in Miami. Get the win. All right, Ryan. I'll keep this real simple. I told everyone my team was a top 12 team. They're not a top 12 team. Guess who barely beat Miami on the road? Miami's not a top 12 team either. They're terrible. They're really, really bad. Carolina's not good. And Carolina beat Miami. NC State's ranked number 18 for a reason. They're good. They just blew the doors off of a halfway decent Boston College team. This, if, if the line really is three points, that's absurd. NC State's going to walk away with this one. Miami's not a good team. If you know one team is decent and you know the other team is not a good team, take the decent team. <laughs> NC State. <laughs> is that how betting works? Funny enough, think, Miami I opened think... as a favorite. Yeah. What? Um... Yeah, Miami opened as a one-point favorite, and then the line quickly moved to NC State plus three, or minus three. <laughs> so, yeah, um, to continue what Ryan said, um, Miami's just hot garbage. They, they're horrible this year, which um, a former rival in the, in the, uh, the Big East, I'm so heartbroken. Oh, so heartbroken to see them struggling. Um, I hope it continues. And uh, they would definitely be having a new head coach next year. But for the time being, um, the head coach will be on the sidelines watching his team get demolished by NC State. So give me NC State. All right. Clean sweep for NC State. Yeah. Um, other, other teams gained receiving votes for Syracuse at Virginia Tech. And anyway, other than that, uh, Georgia Tech at UVA. Um, Syracuse is going to beat up Virginia Tech, I guarantee it. And Georgia Tech, uh, I hope they beat the snot out of UVA. Um, That's how Morgan put a little bow on this. (laughs) (laughs) That rambling bee is going to sting that wahoo all the way back up to the the hill so he can watch his peanut butter game with uh, Dr. Seuss. Uh, Morgan stomps around with Fire Fuente, uh, picket sign. No, see, protest sign. <sighs> actually, you know what? This season's he's already getting fired anyway. So, actually, you know, I hope Virginia Tech beats up Syracuse because I don't like them either. <laughs> Boys, if that, and- Clemson beats Pitt and Georgia Tech beats UVA, as Morgan just picked, that would put Carolina. In a, in a nice little position in the coastal all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. You'd, you'd win the coastal and uh, go lose in uh, the ACC championship game only to be invited to the Emerald City car, might kind of <laughs> care, whatever, bullet bowl. I'm glad that you know. you're sitting around mapping out possibilities to go to the coastal or to win the coastal to go to the ACC championship when it's not going to happen. But keep having fun doing that. I'm just like that kid in Angels in the Outfield. It could happen. <laughs> well, you want to? I hear you have other things to grumble about, Angle. Yes, yes. Tell us, Angle. 
Oh, was that was that my segue into baseball? Yeah. How I'm supposed to grumble? Three of the four of us have been watching baseball. How much time do we have, Logan? Should we? Should we? No, We've got time, we but we might have to kick the positivity to next week at the end of the show. <laughs> All right, we'll see how quickly Shocking. we can grumble. Shocking. So three of the four of us, at least, one of us is smart enough to not pay attention to sports in October. He just waits for basketball season. But three of the four of us watch baseball. Three of the four of us are mildly to outrageously annoyed at everything that has been going on in the playoffs, despite the fact that our teams are in the playoffs still. Well, for the most part, I don't know how you're doing over there, Logan. Are you still in the playoffs right now? Yeah, we're we're up three games to one, but then again, we were up three games to one on this very team last year and blew it. But right now, we're losing four two in LA. So, mm. okay, so you're up three games to two, more or less. <laughs> yeah, it's, it might be a repeat of last year where we'll blow three games to one in the NLCS for a second straight year. And me and Morgan's team, which remains unannounced, is going down to Houston, which is a southern city, which is why we're able to talk about it on this podcast. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> And I'm sure it will be a fair game in, in Houston. I'm sure there'll be no whistling whatsoever. Trash cans. <laughs> trash trash can no, baseball for a trash can team. No, they're, they're, they're whistling now, apparently. Oh. Can we can we all agree that we all hate the Astros? That, that's one thing that we're all agree on. That's okay. correct. The Houston Asterix. Yes, that's correct. Yes. Can, that's, can, Al, can Altuve just go the fuck away? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I don't like that guy. So one of the things for sure that I know that we can dive into immediately is that when we all sat down individually in our different houses to watch baseball, all of a sudden, all of us wondered what the hell we were watching because now apparently all the nerds um, who weren't cool in high school decided that they were going to come ruin all the jocks fun in sports. And now they've decided to take on America's pastime and completely turn it into the trash can. And, and it's, it's terrible. And I don't know what any of these stats are. And I don't know when they came up with them. I don't know if they just came up with them during COVID when we weren't paying attention or what is going on. But I was texting the guys a list of things that I had absolutely no clue what any of them were. And last time I checked, none of you were able to come up with any of the stats either. And all four of us have watched baseball our entire lives. So when did this happen? When did we get old? What the hell is going on? Logan, you're the youngest of us. I feel like you can start because maybe you're the most in touch still. Well, I mean, the crazy thing is it really seems like it's happened in the last like five or so years that they've they've stopped just being like, you know, on base percentage, slugging percentage, bad and average, you know, the normal stats, home runs, RBIs. It's like now we have war. We have I, I don't even know what what war even stands for or means as the Dodgers just hit an, a home run to go up six to two. Awesome. And um, and, and then not only that, but the, just the strategy because of all the nerds, as you said, with the analytics that they have, it used to be that if you had um, a a stud pitcher in the playoffs, you, you take him as long as you can. Right. Um, yeah. you, you leave the starter in. I mean, shoot. What was it in the the 80s? Um, what was it? Dwight Gooden or whatever went was pit, had like pitched a hundred and something pitches into the 10th inning. Well, these days, because of analytics, they are taking pitchers out in the third inning that are aces and they're going to the bullpen that early. And they just keep like, it, it, you seem like you have a pitching change every other inning. It's, it's not baseball to me. It's too numbers driven. It's not the game that I grew up with. It's not the game I played. It's not the game I've watched. It's like, everything's about, well, 
you know, the numbers say we should do this. I mean, like it comes a point where you get too analytics driven and the heart of the game gets taken away. Maybe that's just me graduating into the old man club, <laughs> but I just like, I, I don't understand a lot of these statistics. I don't understand a lot of the new strategies they have. I also don't really love the idea that the minor leagues are throwing out um, uh, people on second base and uh, extra innings. And so it, it's just, it, I'm not, loving the current state of um the new wave of baseball minds morgan we just played a series against the rays and the yankees they're known for doing this all the time pulling their ace in the second inning because who knows why don't get me started i just you know the chris self should have been pulled yet in yesterday's game early I don't even know why he was pitching, to be quite honest, because he has not, since he's come back, he has not been the same guy that we uh, won the World Series with. I mean, would you agree? Uh, he, is, he hasn't been good this year since he came back from his uh, his injury, whatever it was. I can't even remember anymore. But, I mean, uh, him, him and Nate going out there, Nate Ivaldi, for those that don't know, the Rays were doing this all the time. They, you talk about this guy who was an innings eater for them that was all year. He'd win all these games and stuff, right? And they pull him after four outs. It's like I can remember not that long ago, an ace pitcher, Max Scherzer. We all know his name. He's a guaranteed Hall of Famer. He got pulled in the third inning the other night in, in the game against the Braves. It's and he was he's the most competitive F out there. I mean, it it, it he's okay. All right, bring in the bullpen. What, what the hell's going on here? No, I, I have know. no idea. Like it, I, it's. I got a list. I got a list of. Uh, Morgan. What? All right. No, I was just. I was going to say. Um, the oh, I did enjoy uh, Nick Pavetta the other night. His pitching. He what came in for uh, relief and just pitched four, the four solid innings of into extra innings. I mean, he just it reminded me of. Uh, who was I was trying to think of? Eovaldi? Yeah. In the late game? Think. Yeah. Was it? I don't know where I was going with that. I'm sorry. Um, I was just really talking about how great Pavetta pitched in, in the extra innings. And it seems like a throwback. It seems like a flashback when you see somebody do that nowadays. Ivaldi did it a couple of years ago. He pitched, mm-hmm. I think, eight innings in relief in the extra innings, and it was like, it was like something to write home about. It was, it was impressive. Pavetta did it the other night, like you're talking about, and you're just waiting. At this point, I'm watching the game and I'm waiting for him to get pulled. And then it mm-hmm. was when I realized that they didn't have any other pitchers. I was like, oh, great, this will be nice. We can actually watch somebody pitch for longer than four outs, so we don't have to worry about all the stats and BS. And Logan, you played the freaking game not that long ago. I, yep. I came up with a whole laundry list of stats that I had. My brother, for the record, played for 15 years, got a chance to play in college. I've been to more baseball than I can forget. And I've never heard of any of these in my life. Hard hit percentile allowed, hard hit rate, swing rate. Apparently, that's the total of swings versus the total of pitches you get. Run value. I thought all runs counted the same. One run equals one run. Ground ball rates, increased sinker rates, 
They have spray charts to determine where the fielders are supposed to go, which is another thing that drives me insane. Shift, Forget who it was. Yeah. yeah. They, they shift all over the field now. It's like it does it, it it's all about analytics. The batter comes up and then you'll have um the second baseman playing literally over there almost in the outfield and you'll have the shortstop slid over to second base and third base playing right behind second base and then you know it, it's like it's it, it's easy for us that didn't play professionally and, and didn't play in college to say but is it that hard for you if you're a pool hitter and they shift on you to go backside i mean it, just poke it that way a couple of times they'll stop shifting on on you and it opens up you know all kinds of possibilities for where your uh i guess your your spray chart <laughs> says you hit the majority of your balls if you can just go the opposite way just a few times it it keeps them honest they don't do that because it's it's they get paid more for getting more hitting home runs and and doubles and triples like, and that's, that's why a, they don't do it that's a good segue into another thing that I absolutely hate and I love it when Arod just tears it apart on the uh, um, post game shows and everything is because I hate the launch angle thing. I hate the exit velocity out of the batter's (laughs) box. The way that they're teaching kids to hit now is, is just so against the fundamentals of baseball. It's ridiculous to me because they're the strikeups have gone up up. Yes. Home runs maybe have gone up compared to where they were a few years ago, but they're so concerned with getting launch angles and hitting it out of the park. Cause apparently that's, they want to make baseball more exciting. Baseball is never going to be the NFL. We need to quit pretending that it is, you know, it, like a rod says, stay down through the ball and in hit line drives and the power will come. If you have it, stop worrying about launch angles and exit velocity. Yeah. No, I mean, Hey, I watched Chris Davis play for years. So I hear <laughs> all he did was uh, he walked a lot. You got to give him that when he had good hitters around him. Really a lot. Uh, but he either struck out or hit a home run. Was all, good, he hit like 200. Track, though. Yeah, he yeah, got he paid a lot of money to hit home runs. They're trying to turn everybody into uh, a blast from the past of the 2000s. Adam Dunn from the Cincinnati Reds. The guy would hit 40 home runs, but he'd strike out 200 times a year. That's what they want baseball to be, and I, I can't stand it. Well, maybe I that's because... Go ahead. I hate to... Um, to say this because they beat us in the playoffs, but that like 14, 15 Royals team was a good all around baseball team. And uh, if you want to win in baseball, that's how you build a winning team. It's not about how many home runs you hit. Cause the, those Oriole teams that went on a run that me and Rhino went to like playoff games and like had a lot of fun. It was awesome, but they got shut down in the playoffs because they were power hitters. Like, you got to be able to play baseball. You got to be able to get base hits, steal bases, and they just weren't built for that. They were guys who hit when they come up against best pitching, they weren't hitting it out. And like it's it's frustrating. But maybe that's where all the computer numbers come in and all that stuff. Maybe we should have computer managers so that we can take the emotion out and it just kind of pulls people in and out. Computer computer umpires computer managers we will have all that stuff it'll be an algorithm it's just an algorithm right we didn't have a podcast back then so there's no way to prove that i said this but i promise you that i said years ago when they were let replay into baseball that this was going to be the downfall of technology and everything ruining the game of baseball yeah i look replay as a general rule in sports i'm okay with what i'm not okay with is they replay everything these days they've gotten so bad about just getting well no we got to make sure we get this right like no you need to do it in very specific situations unless you're in like the last 
couple minutes of a game or last inning of a game or it's extra innings. There's, there's got to be some limits to it. It's outrageous, and it, I just can't handle it. Every time they have to walk off the field and, like, look at the little box and be like, oh, well, did he do – oh, I didn't see that angle. Can I see another angle? And it's like, no, why don't you just make the damn call? Most of the time – this isn't always true, but most of the time the referees are actually pretty good in, in the stuff that we watch or the umpires in baseball. Like, they're not that atrocious. Sometimes you get bad games, but on the average, they're pretty good. I got two comments because they've happened this postseason. The first is take away the ability for the first baseman or the third baseman to tell you whether or not a guy struck out or not. I can guarantee you he didn't see it. If you didn't see it from behind the plate, he didn't see it from 90 feet away. (laughs) That's the first thing I'm going to say. The second thing I'm going to say is please, 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 there should be some form of, well, there is. We already have uh, analytics and computer things and algorithms to tell us who the worst umpires are. Guess what? They shouldn't be doing the games in the playoffs because the guy the other night was literally ranked the worst umpire. He gave calls that were bad for the Astros. He gave calls that were bad for the Red Sox. Nobody was happy. The game ended on a shitty note because he missed a third strike. He also missed calls earlier in the game that cost the Astros runs. Everybody was upset, and he walked off the field and had no accountability whatsoever. So, baseball, I know you're listening. I know you care. You want to know how I know you're listening and you care? Because the only thing that takes longer than this podcast to listen to is your stupid baseball game with all your instant replay and all your pitching changes. So, I know you're listening. Hear us out. (laughs) Yeah, and if you want to make... Go ahead. Yeah, just go ahead and um, tell Angel Hernandez and Joe West to not show up next year, please. Thank you very much. (laughs) If you want to make the game more popular, it's never, like I said, it's never going to be the NFL, but if you want to make the game more popular, you have to improve your marketing efforts. It isn't about launch angles. It isn't about the analytics and the replay. That's not going to help the game. Putting it out in second, not going to help the game. The problem with baseball is a marketing issue. You you have arguably... um, Mike Trout, arguably the best player in baseball, and most people cannot pick the man out of a police lineup. You're gonna, you, you need to not have people freaking out over guy, young guys like Atlanta's Ronald Acuna when he, he's a little bit brash, but the kid's good, and he flips his bat after a home run. That's good for the game. Like trying to stop stuff like that is ridiculous because that's what people want to see. It, it doesn't matter if it, it when it, you talk about your analytics and your replay, and we're gonna try to make the game. Uh, a little faster about putting out on second base. Forget that. You need personalities and you need to market those personalities. Aaron Judge is another one that they've missed a chance. Like you look at, think about the gap in his teeth, market that the same way they did Anthony Davis's unibrow. It's just, they don't market their players the same way the other leagues do. And that's the problem baseball has at a professional level. Well, I'll tell you another problem baseball has is they're the managers. They're uh the two soft these days. We need some Earl Weavers back here uh, managing <laughs> baseball again. Getting Love kicked it. out every so often, every sophomore, every other game. He'd probably get fired for his emails that he'd send. <laughs> oh, yeah. Unfortunately, today's softies, and I'm going to use that word instead of another word, would cancel Earl Weaver within five seconds. <laughs> to be they fair. They wouldn't be able to handle it. To be fair, Morgan, part of the reason why we like him is because Alex Cora does try and get kicked out about every every fourth game <laughs> by screaming obscenities at the refs or the umps. Sorry. Let me pretend like I watch baseball. <laughs> it, the refs. It, it, the, the best or one of the best was uh, 
the the minor league umpire I, I forget what who it was who like did the whole like he climbed out on the field and like threw the rosin bag like it was a yep. grenade yeah oh, like yeah. Th- that's what you did want that would make picked, baseball interesting they need more like, of that then he picked up what is it second base and carried it off the field with him <laughs> yeah I think I remember seeing that one and real quick there was another incident in the, with the minor leagues I think it was I swear to God I think it was the Red Sox minor league the guy was at bat the uh, the pitcher pitched at him he turned around kicked the catcher in the head so he couldn't <laughs> so the catcher wouldn't stop him from charging the mound so he turns around kicks the catcher in the head and then charges the mound after the pitcher so more WWE. You can you can, you can YouTube <laughs> that. It's it it's there. Yeah. <laughs> more WWE. Needless to say, yeah. pitching I, I, don't, I don't I don't think he uh, played anymore after that. Yeah. That is that is YouTubeable. <laughs> to your point, more like WWE aspects, like the minor leagues, and and then the uh, still the strategy of college baseball is how you help the MLB not making all these ridiculous changes, but. On that note, just like a, a game going too long because of too many freaking pitching changes, we're going a little long here on Miserable and Reckless, so we're going to have to kick the can down the road, as they say, on our Bless Your Heart positivity segment, so we'll bring that to you next week. This has been an extra grumpy episode of Miserable and Reckless. And on that note, I'm Logan, sitting here with Ryan, Morgan, and Dustin, and we will see you next week.